Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's the final CrossFit Games FOMO show with me, Vicky McLeod and Rumsey, CrossFit coach and athlete. This time around we talked about the last day of the Games, what were our standout moments and what we thought could be done a smidge differently next time, wherever next time will be. It helps a lot if you can give the show a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcasts and maybe even give it a little share on your socials. It all helps the show to grow. Anyway, let's get to it. Welcome to the Europe is Coming podcast, taking you inside the minds of Europe's best CrossFit athletes and the people behind them. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the uh, FOMO show, the Europe is Coming Games FOMO show special. It's me, Vicky McLeod. I am with Rumsey. Rumsey's in Italy. I am in Spain. Neither of us were in Madison and we're both bummed about it. I think that's basically the basis of the show. <laughs> How are you doing, Rumsey? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a roller coaster weekend filled with ups and downs and big emotions kind of recovering from it even though I wasn't even in Madison can't imagine being there and it's been fun to definitely get to chat, chat really about enjoyed it here. our chats as well I almost felt as tired watching the games as I was being at the games last year so is a what it's like a games hangover I think the Monday the Tuesday even the Wednesday after the games everybody's just wrecked aren't they so tired and beaten up emotionally physically mentally yeah, absolutely. And I think watching it online, you actually compared to when you're in Madison, you get so much more information on what's going on. That honestly, when I got to the final, I didn't even watch it live streamed. I watched all the events live streamed. But when I got to the final, I was like, I am so sick of this. It's like I over binged on CrossFit. Like when you eat too much ice cream, I cannot have this final thing. I'll just watch it tomorrow morning. And I woke up and I was like, oh, nice. We have a new fittest man and woman on earth. But yes, definitely. When you're coming back from Madison, you competed or you worked there, you spectated, you do feel a little bit less in terms of everything that's hitting on you in terms of like CrossFit information. But you do get this strong sense of melancholy and yeah. just... So let's talk about the events of the last day because that's where we got to on the last show. Firstly, we had Muscle Up Log. Watch our workout. Whoa, it was entertaining to watch, that's for sure. I would like to say first thing first, just how much muscle ups have improved in the sport. Not just like from now to 10 years ago, but like from now to three, four, five years ago. A couple years ago, they had 30 muscle ups for time and people were struggling to string five together because of the long straps. I think everyone went mm. on broken on those seven reps this year. It was insane to watch. What do you think about the logs? Also, I, was, I, I really enjoyed ahead, the logs when it was... Uh announced i thought is it going to be the same logs as last year but actually they were increasing in height which mm. was hilarious from my yeah. point of view from a non-log yeah. jumper it was very funny to watch some of the <laughs> shorter athletes getting up and over the logs yeah. i particularly appreciated colton mertens because when you're like it's hard to do that it's very mm. hard and he just smashed it and our friend elisa Fuliano as well. She did a great job. I will say the big struggle was also getting that sandbag over the log because if you're short, it wasn't just a like clean to your shoulder and then roll it over. It was like clean, overhead, press, 
get on your tippy toes, maybe do a little jump, hope the sandbag doesn't fall back on your head and it happens sometimes and then eventually get it over if you manage to do that. I will say though, I think for really shorter people, I don't know, for me personally, in my own very short person experience, you kind of get used to climbing over stuff just because it becomes kind of essential Mm -hmm. to do fitness stuff at this point when you're that short. So I think maybe the short people actually struggle just a little bit less than like the medium short because we're like, yeah, been there, done that. I had to reach those plates in that cabinet one time and I had to figure out how to crawl mm. over, all over the kitchen yeah, to get like, there. So yeah, it's kind yeah, of functional fitness for a reason. Can you get to those high kitchen cupboards? And if not, here's how to overcome that exactly. disability. I had a question for you, Ramsey. You would know, I guess, how the athletes' bodies would have been feeling by Sunday morning. And given the battering they'd been taking, what would have been particularly hurting by then? So we saw a lot of pulling this year, and especially those rope climbs. They tend to have, because you can't really swing your way through them, they had to be quite controlled. They tend to have a lot of strain on the elbow. And I would definitely think in terms of joints, the elbow and the hands would be the ones that are hurting the most. And I did say I saw quite a few athletes that came off those ropes with open hands, burns, welts. Patrick Vellner has shared his hand pictures and they're quite disgusting if you're into that weird, creepy stuff. That's uh, content for you. And definitely your lower back probably must be on fire with all the heavy object that was going on between the pig flips and the sandbag carries and the sandbag squats. Definitely those are the two things I'm looking the most at. Realistically, by the end of the weekend, you're probably just hurting everywhere to a point where like everything hurts, but nothing hurts. Yeah, because it's, it's all, all so hurting. Bad. I'm just one, I'm just <laughs> body of hurt. Yeah. By the end of the muscle up logs, quite a bad thing had happened to Roman Krennikov, hadn't mm-hmm. it? I mean, we all saw him yeah. stumble, but it didn't yeah, look like a lot uh, when he stumbled. But obviously... Mm-mm. When I did see how the sandbags were accumulating behind the logs... Having had, coming from like gymnastics where we sprain our ankles a lot and just being clumsy, I was like, this is bound to happen. And it unfortunately did. And it unfortunately happened in a way that created probably the most dramatic change of events and plot twists, not just the entire weekend, but many years. So you think that, so like, far. I mean, that was an accident waiting to happen? It gave me the same, say, energy of when you see the rope climbs, when there's a lot of rope just left hanging around at the bottom, lying on the floor. When you're chasing people down and going for speed on something like that, you're not really paying attention to what's on the other side of the ground that you're going to land on. And there was no care on how the sandbags were set down. So there was some type of small injury that was going to happen. It's quite dramatic that from a small injury and that being quite a big thing. I mean, like, do you think that would be something that PFA would bring up as a mm-hmm. health and safety point for the competition? So I think just the logistics for safety is something that PFA will be talking about. This was more to me, uh, I mean, how would you handle it? Would you have volunteers moving around the sandbags? Would you create more specified line lanes for everyone? This was more of like, you should be careful at what you're doing. Whereas with the rope climb, like you don't know exactly where you're falling down when you're coming off of it. So one can be definitely changed with an easy snip, basically, of the rope. This is a bit more complicated. But I do really think that 
how the workouts are within to take into account the safety of the athletes will be something that is being brought up, is going to be brought up more because right now it's a lot about the show and not a lot about how do we avoid unnecessary. I've got to tell you, I'm in the gym at the moment because the place I would normally record is the air conditioning going on, like some kind of fixing stuff happening. And I'm in the massage room in my gym and now they've started playing Rocky. If anybody's really upset about the sound quality today, I'm trying my best to mute myself in between so that you're not hearing Mumsy giving her words of wisdom with the background of Eye of the Tiger. If you enjoy that, then I mean, like, we can always add it later. So once Roman had the accident and was seen in between the events on crutches and also in a wheelchair, I imagine a lot of rumour going and flying around. But I don't think anybody was prepared for the fact that he actually came out and competed, and he did in the Parallel Bar Pool event, which was very emotional. Did you know mm. before he'd had an injury oh, yeah. when you were watching it, Ramsey? So for me, actually, what happened was I logged on to the live stream like 40 minutes before it went on. And people in the comments were going crazy, like Roman hurt himself. He's not going to show up. What is going on? So I kind of dig into my Instagram, doing some stalking all over the place to figure out what was going on. But I assumed that because of the event, he was going to attempt it anyways. And he did. Still, I did not imagine how emotional it would uh, definitely it would emotional be. and a lot of people you could see everybody crying and like standing up and cheering and clapping and whoever was supposed to get spirit of the games before that point <laughs> was like i'm not gonna get this now you know whoever was like the jockey cheer up was uh, basically sidelined and roman was definitely gonna get that but from a cynical point he also had to continue as a professional athlete you can't just walk away from a large prize pot or hop away in his yeah. case because it's yeah. a lot of money on the line that's just like a huge payout that totally sort of agree. thing is that you can't I think like this yeah this is bread and butter so yes it was extremely mm-hmm. brave of him to do that but also I think he would definitely had to do it it wasn't for me it wouldn't have been negotiable you've got to get out there and tre- keep trying but one functioning leg Roman get on with it and I really like the fact that <laughs> A lot of the adaptive athletes are like, yeah, we already do one-legged double unders. Come over here, we'll give you a clinic. (laughs) Exactly. I think uh, I agree. It's easy to forget. Like, I think the prize money difference from, I don't know if someone mentioned be from third. It would have been 20th because um, if he'd drawn, he would have got a 20th place. Exactly. But it was insane. Like 20th place gets $8,000. And someone was saying seventh place gets 35000 um, I think it's 85. I'm not really the best with remembering prize it's money. Th- first place is three hundred and fifteen. So, Second place is 125 And third yeah, place and is third, 85 Yeah. But I think someone mentioned that. I don't know why they got their stallion about if he got in seventh overall, he would still get 35000 So that is not like $2,000 that you're giving up. That's a huge sum of money. It's basically what you worked for your whole year. So I definitely agree. We can't put him on a pedestal and just be like, oh my God, this guy is a hero for itself. I do think that seeing how emotional he got at the end. Yeah, it's pure. And I mean, also, uh, it makes him like more, much more relatable to specifically, I I guess, American Mm -hmm. audiences because he's always been, he's very untouchable because of his language barriers. It's hard for athletes, I think, to kind of make themselves not marketable, but like more relatable, I suppose, is the word. They feel like the crowd are on their side and spectators can understand them and get behind them. So yes, it was a massive turning point for him, I think, and especially in his relationship with the American CrossFit 
public. And I also think it was very nice that he mentioned doing it for his son. You know, and another athlete might have just said, like, didn't want to walk out of there here and not make myself mm. proud, give it everything I had. Yeah, so no, I agree. Was, uh, yeah, nice. as a parent, you do think about those things as well. You do think, I'm going to set a good example. It is important, you know, once you've got that other responsibility, they're always at the front of your mind, to be honest. And so it went into the final event. And you know what? To work out. I really, really love Olivia Kerstetter. What a champ. And that. Oh my God. Not just her, but oh, the couple of the her best, and the most uh, gorgeous people. <sighs> and they just make me. That's the kind of yeah. clip. I want to be in that little warm, loving bubble. They're such a nice bunch of people. They seem to be so supportive and have such a fun time together. How lovely was it when she took Mm -mm. that win over the line? (laughs) It was so exciting. Yeah. And the way she just managed to pull that off was quite incredible because she basically came from the back of it. She wasn't the fastest on the bike, but the way she just crushed, not just those lunges, Mm. but those final thrusters was beautiful to watch and I agree I think if you're kind of into CrossFit content Hefner has one of the longest standing and maybe for in terms of CrossFit athletes most successful channels and I just remember watching him train with Olivia since she was like a tiny little kid and it was so nice to see her progress mm. through the years I like how um, her now it was like he because I do remember when Mallow Brown before she was training with Matt Fraser, she was training with a coach that had trained her for years. And when she decided to go from one coach to the other, yeah. there was lots of backlash and comments about how she was dumping her coach and that sort of thing. And when uh, Olivia moved to Proven, how Jacob Hepner was like, I can't take her any further. She has to go and be with somebody who can be like, it was really nice for him to yeah. like, be really open and make sure that that sort of social media opinion machine didn't bite her. Because I think that people have got lots of opinions. I th- yeah, definitely. I think the dynamics were a little bit different in the sense that probably people weren't going to question Hepner's ability to coach as much as Mal's coach, and they still were going to train together and mm. they were able to keep a strong bond. But it takes a lot from a coach also to be able to say, I can take you so far, and from here you need someone more qualified. And we don't know the dynamics with Mallory's coach. I think Olivia was quite lucky to yes get all the support she needed from proven and great programming and great training partners but still get that emotional support and supportive environment absolutely that happener is able to provide um, so we have our winners i did call it correctly adler yes dreamy jeff got the win <laughs> i don't think uh, either dreamy of us have doubted that laura was going to do it but even so it was very impressive to watch her storming through the last day i mean it wasn't set in stone previous Mm. years there was a lot of back and forth with the leader jersey i mean emma lawson what she did on those interval workout that was quite impressive i just as part of me just felt like she looked tired by the end of uh, sunday and laura's been doing this for quite some time she knows how the body gets by sunday but she also just looks and feels like she's a freaking machine and she's not tired she looked like she could go for another day of competing and not be that beaten up as everyone else so it was i think it got more impressive when laura's trained in miyoko she occasionally comes to crossfit miyoko which is where i train and one day she was here 
I was here. I'm in CrossFit Yoga right now. I was just quietly trying to do some barbell stuff on my own. And she came and stood right next to me and basically crushed things for a while. I was just absolutely so intimidating to just be in the same <laughs> airspace as her. Okay, I'm going to just put my barbell away now, Laura. She's got a really strong aura about her, a very strong personality that's uh, very powerful. But I wanted to, just looking up, I can't remember how old she was in 2018 when she got second place. How old was she then? I think she was born in 97 because I just have this yeah. memory of her being a year older she than She'd me. have been 21. So 18 so plus she, she's a couple of years. She would have been a couple of years older than Emma Lawson is now. Emma Lawson's only 18. Yeah. I mean, Emma's performance, I think what's what most impressive is that this game to me was programmed for sort of big girls mm. and with a lot of pulling gymnastics. So just the way the numbers that she put up in the strength, how she managed those objects, not being really the biggest girl out there and being so young, that is I, I'm, incredible. I'm, I'm still going to say about her manner, the way that she is interviewed, the way she comes across, she's always like mm. very polite, smiling, really nice person to be around and but also like quite a killer when she gets going I think as well like very Absolutely. excellent example of the next generation of CrossFit athletes and really really exciting to see what she does next I hope that she has a good team of people protecting her from all the crazy stuff that happens when uh, you get really good at something really early because Mel and Hayley had to take a year off to keep themselves from burnout I mean she's just been sticking with her current coach for a long time and she didn't change last year after she mm. had this huge breakthrough moment and I think we can all agree the improvements she's made this season are undeniable so yeah it would be a bit I have not we'll see I think where she's at is a great balance and I didn't know this I didn't realize this before I kind of knew it, but she's actually dating the guy who won no. the lifting <gasps> event, Jack Farlow, because they're coached by the same person. And they posted that picture together. And they're oh, just so, so cute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. They make a great couple, though. They both look like who I would call just like yeah. good neighbor. Very clean cut Canadians. Go the Canadians, frankly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this year, they crushed it. I I don't understand. Canadian people are just, the ones I've met and worked with over the years have been just delightful. So I think Canada has got to, it's having a great advert for Canada at the moment from these athletes. Let's talk about Gabby. Definitely. Because Gabby had particularly good games until Sunday. And then all of a sudden, up the leaderboard she went. What do you think was the difference? What was making the difference for her on the last day? Okay. I would say Gabby's notoriously not the best at pulling. And I think the best example for this is how she struggled a bit in the first few days of competition compared to semifinals. I'd like to say they tested all the pushing in semifinals to a point where like there was no more pushing to test. So they just did pulling at the games. And Gabby's great at pushing. She dominated semifinals. She definitely struggled a bit more during games. Even though she's a bit of one of... She got really good workouts for her. The final days, she had... I don't know where she got that fire from. I will also say the cuts did really work to her advantage because it was much easier to make up points if you did well on Saturday and Sunday than it was Thursday or Friday. Yeah, amazing. I mean, during competition, when it's not going your way, 
as a professional athlete, you probably already, this is going to be tough for me, that's going to be tough for me, all of the stuff harder to do from your perspective. But even so, you must make allowances and compensations in other ways, like, okay, I'm going to have to do this faster, I'm going to work on my transitions, mm. push, push, push. But even so, it must be very disheartening to find yourself in a position where you're really having to push yourself hard to get into the places that you want to be, that you expect mm. and other people expect you to be in. It's a tough game. What do you think, in the end, what separates a winner from everybody else? What is it that makes the difference? I think a big part of it is the headspace you're in, which isn't necessarily how much experience you have, because it really goes both sides of the spectrum. I think we see rookies do very well very often just because they're not putting that pressure on themselves this is my first year i'm just gonna soak it in take the experience home and like we saw that with Mm. laura she freaking crushed it her first year and i think after that the pressure the expectations start to creep in and that actually affects you negatively and then maybe a few years in you kind of learn to navigate you learn what works for you in terms of taking that load off of yourself mentally and you start building the hunger for proving yourself to yourself before everyone else and Mm. that's what lights this new fire I will say a lot of people like to talk about hard work pays off and put in the work, get the rewards. But I don't love to have this argument when you're talking about elite athletes because nobody's working any less than anyone. Everybody's hungry to get there. And to have this conversation makes it seem like the other athletes are just being lazy and not putting in as much effort when really it's definitely a head game and then it's in part of it, it is a luck game. Of course, you cannot say that like Tia or Matt got lucky in terms of programming because they dominated so much. But the changes we actually see through the years for those athletes are consistently there. But maybe one year they're seventh, one year they're twelfth, one year they're fifth. Yes, there's injuries. Yes, there's other life variables. But at the end of the day, a lot of it is programming. And I think we have to recognize that CrossFit, although it tests the fittest, it's not always the same one year who's a better pulling gymnastics and strong person will win one year the lighter runner type athlete will be favored that doesn't mean someone else lost their fitness i mean people commenting on justin and how he didn't make it this year and how he screwed up he clearly had some issues going on i think we all saw all the bruises we all see saw something was definitely off but at the end of the day, like the programming was basically written to not favor him. So what were we expecting? He's still top 20 in the world, guys. I wonder how he's feeling now, licking his wounds a bit and uh, hopefully he's healing up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I definitely do. But I think in part, it's been a weight lifted off your shoulders because once you win twice, people are like, mm. oh my God, is he going to try to pull off another Matt Fraser? Is he going to go for a repeat win? And I think having been maybe like top five or top 10 would have been better for him just in terms of like not having to deal with all the hate. But maybe now that there's no pressure, he can go back to actually enjoying the sport. And I will say I'm very yeah. excited to see what he does next year. Yeah. I want Justin to come back. I'm a fan of Justin Medeiros. Yeah, a bit of mullet going on there. Yeah. Mullet loving. Yes. I wouldn't have picked him like as my favorite based on watching him at first or looks, but I had the luck of being around him because of many CrossFit events we've done. Then understood his background because then went to California and there were all these people 
living around me that knew him personally or grew up with him. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like your hometown glory. So there's this personality I really enjoy of his, but there's also the whole like bringing the flag high for I your I think that's why things like, um, country. like the like Team Ritchie and the Buttery Brothers and all that, they're so powerful and helpful to telling the stories of athletes mm-hmm. and letting us see more about them and see the personalities and see who they are. Because I think that as you get to know more about the people, you really start to connect with who they are as individuals and you do find your favourites, don't you, for sure? Like Obviously, the ones that we know better, exactly. we're going to cheering for more. You know, it's just the way it is. Exactly. Let's talk about the speeches that were made after the all of the dust had settled and the award ceremony was in progress. Firstly, I would like to say how nice and how lovely. I really appreciated Mr. Adler's speech that included his coach. How cool that was that mm-hmm. it was he was saying because his coach is also his fiance. And not only she's a woman, which is very unusual in the coaching role, also a black woman. So like certain, and a Canadian black woman. Absolutely. <laughs> it goes on and on and on. But oh, all of it, let's go. <laughs> all but the it, rest. Was, uh, it was just so nice that he said, I, this is her dream as well. It was just wonderful. And then to understand that actually six years ago, he was on the event team as a volunteer. It was just like, what? This was just the perfect thing. It really made me open my eyes. What an incredible progress he's made and how enormous amount of work the two of them have put in to get him to that position. And I really had so much more overseas still already respected him for winning. And you're just like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> he's managed to do that. And I really enjoyed that. I thought that was wonderful. And then I really enjoyed listening as well to Laura's speech, but I was really kind of confused by a couple of things that she said. And I don't know how to start this because yeah. firstly... She's saying that I'm not a Barbie. And I made me and you think, well, maybe she hasn't seen the movie. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh my God, tell me you haven't seen the movie without telling me. It was a bit of a sad, not sad, but it was confusing. Yeah, probably is the best word because she does represent so much for the sport. I think for a very long time, even though CrossFit does put itself as being a very body positive sport and you do get to see all types and kinds of bodies there is a certain expectation that you have to be a certain body fat that you have to look a certain way that you have to be wearing booty shorts that go up your butt and half of your body is exposed and if you want to do that that's your jam i mean i'm the first one it's hot sometimes i don't want to less clothing the better but we're definitely now finally seeing it not just different types of bodies, but different types of body fat percentages and showing that you don't have to be the leanest to be the fittest. And I think Laura does a great job at showcasing that and just showcasing what a strong, powerful body is. But I really had just wish she would have said something like, I'm out here to show you that CrossFit Barbie does exist. That would have been my that name. That's been, me. That would no, have been better. If she needs a copywriter to do that for her, basically. She can't win the fucking yeah. CrossFit Games and be a good speechwriter. Uh, yeah. We're in 2023. There's been so much talk about like being a girl's girl or pick me. And I'm not saying this what was she trying what she was trying to do. I mean, frick, you just finished an extreme event Mm. and they're asking you to talk in front of thousands of people that's not an easy job but just the way it came off was more like it's it's me versus the conventional idea of a barbie or a crossfit girl 
And it should be just, it's us and embracing all types of body. And that was kind of what Barbie was about, was the shared feminine experience of never fitting in, of never being right enough. And just a side note, if we want to be more inclusive in movies, uh, can we please have uh, mm-hmm. girls that look muscular for once? Not just like extremely skinny girls or curvy girls. Whereas the girls are working out, putting in the effort. Get Laura on a TV show, please. There's an amazing kickboxing woman Um, in The Mandalorian. She's cool. I love her. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's nice to finally see a bit more athletes. No, I love it. I'm sorry, I'm going on a tangent here, but I don't know if you guys... Brooke Ends, she used to compete. I think her last games was in 2015 in Carson. She was one of the Amazons on Wonder Woman. And I'm like, you guys got this insane group of athletic girls playing the Amazon. And then you have Gal Gadot, which is basically skinny, anorexic, brown hair, Barbie, playing this super strong woman. Like, come on. How do we make this match up? All the strong girls with strong muscular athletic bodies and then this. All her training regimen was about being skinny. I think this is why CrossFit is important. It's showcasing what strong bodies can do and how liberating it is. And I hope it's liberating at whatever age you are as well. I'm in my 50s and it's liberating for me too to be deadlifting the same as the guy next to me, that sort of thing. That makes me feel strong and amazing. Mm. And also, like, to be able to encourage other people, other women who are coming into the gym and uncomfortable trying stuff. It's like, okay, let's just start with small weights, let's keep going. You know, I'm always trying to help them to get their confidence with that sort of thing. Once you start and you realize how exciting and how fabulous it feels to yeah. pick something heavy off the floor. Such a cool, cool yeah, feeling. I feel like I'm capable of doing that and I'm strong and it's a fabulous feeling. And I'm speaking to Debbie from Nike, who we met at the Crown mm-hmm. and we're friends on Instagram, we follow each other. And she's such a top girl. Yeah, well, and she's girl, a powerlifter as well as being top bird for Nike. Yeah. And we were chatting on DMs about what Laura had said. And we both said how much of an impact it would have had on us as teenagers if we'd had somebody saying, you can do this, you can do that. I'm bigger than Debbie. It makes a difference when somebody who's not a skinny person, who's not got a thigh gap, is out there crushing competitions and winning and being the hero. It makes a difference. Representation on all levels is important. She says, about to make herself cry. <laughs> yeah. They just said, like, the game. I just read the morning chalk ups thing about the game. This game was the most emotional ever. What do you think of it overall? How do you think it went? I like to say this game's kind of <laughs> felt like a simulation. I actually compiled a list of other possible titles and comments on the games. To me, it was an odd game in the sense that this is the last year in Madison, but then all this twists and turns and plot twists again happened and T.I. is missing, 10 of the top 20 women are missing. There was such a strong back and forth on the field in terms of like who's leading. And I think we haven't seen that in such a long time. It was just weird to spectate and see that again. And I have a friend here that mentioned saying the field was so level and fit this year that they all looked less fit, if that makes sense. Because you don't have one person dominating and everyone else like kind of chasing after them. It was like, because everybody's going so fast, they all suddenly look like they're going slow, if that makes sense. At all times, it's just like, what is going on? What's going to happen next? And the only one negative thing in 
negative comment from my side, aside from my unhappiness with how the programming was written, was that we will all be looking at these results and wondering what if things had been different in terms of who was on the field. And I think we'll get our answers next year. But so far, even for the athletes, it's going to be hard. I know Jeffrey Adler, you take home the win, but you have this what if Roman hadn't fallen and broken this foot. And Laura will be like, I think Laura's huge goal in for a long time was just to beat Tia. And I actually think this win is a stepping stone for her. But I think what she really wants is for Tia to come back and to get her fittest woman on earth title Laura against Tia. The Tia's coming back from having a baby. So even people will say she'll be like Annie coming back from yeah. having a baby when Annie got a uh, did she get second place that year when she got had third and it's all like kind of like, yeah, oh that was Laura it yeah and it's like everyone goes oh she's come back from having a baby she's a hero and it's like well yeah but it's like coming back from any kind of like if you're already fit and then going resume and going back to your fitness should actually yeah. be a shorter journey I think going from never having trained at that level before to go back to getting to that and point. I would say having a baby is extremely stressful, but the way it impacts your body is quite different. And CrossFitters never get an off-season. We think they have, but basically your off-season is what, competing mm. at Rogue or Dubai or Wadapalooza? What kind of off-season is that? There's so much under stress at all times that paradoxically the time from having a baby especially if you're lucky and you have a good baby you can have the support that it takes they need is needed to take care of them it's actually kind of a break from the intense type of training i think athletes actually need that and we saw annie i think one of the reasons she did so well that year was yeah she was coming in kind of fresh it's weird but no i mean i don't want to sound entitled like I know having a baby is not walk in the park. That's kind of different stimulus. You get a break mentally too from training. You come in with a different goals, different hunger. It's, a, it's also to do really things like, did you have a C-section? Did you have an operation yourself when you were giving Absolutely. birth? There is a lot of other stuff going on. Some women are going to have a baby and they're going to walk out the next day or even that day with a baby in their arms. Others are going to be in there for a week waiting for their stitches to heal. So in that moment, there's so yeah. much as well. So. Anyway, how can we improve on this year? What do you think we can do, they can do next year? And any more thoughts on where it might be? Because they still haven't announced the location. Well, we do know from what they've mm -hmm. said that it will be in America. And we did receive some hints from tips on where it could it be. It sounds like we working out on the face of the sun, if it's true. Yeah. And honestly, I would love for one more year in California. I just, the vibe that would came. I would be excited to go to I California. There's just nothing like it. But I understand there's complications with California. If I could have a pick that is not California, then it would be like <sighs> Colorado, somewhere in Colorado. I mean, what are, what are the complications amazing. with California? Freaking expensive. <laughs> I think that was one of the main reasons why they moved out in the first place. And if you're going to have it up north, it's going to be way too hot. So you kind of have to have it close to the ocean, which it makes it more expensive. But also there's a lot of events going on at the ocean because there's a lot of people wanting to go to California, especially during the summer, which means, I'm sorry, I'm kind of mm -hmm. rambling here, but the, it will drive prices yeah. up for like places to stay. So it's just going to be a huge cost. And I don't think CrossFit HQ is ready to we need, they need, we need, they need, We need to go to like a college town outside of college oh, yeah. oh my gosh term because that's going to have lots of accommodation 
It's mm. going to have sporting facilities. It's going to have everything it needs. But and sometimes the, the best shops as well, like <laughs> some kind of crazy thrift shops. If you go to oh, university yes. towns in the UK, they've Absolutely. always got the best bars, always got the best funky alternative stuff going on. Yeah, I agree. And for Europeans, college towns are actually the most safe-feeling mm. places you will ever be in in America because they're meant to be able to get around without driving. So, yeah. which is a very European thing. You talk to an American, I'm like, I'm going to go to a store walking. <laughs> and they're like, what? <laughs> no, where's your car? Where's like the 2000 place parking lot? What are we talking about? So yeah, I would love to see it in a college town. I do like the idea of Colorado because of the elevation. I think it would be very, very cool. If they are bringing it where we think they're bringing it, which is closer to the headquarters. Closer bro. to the equator. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, guys. You're going to have to, like, move mm. to the Sahara Desert to get ready. Everyone could just like, come train in Mallorca. It's bloody hot here. <laughs> yeah. a little cool. That's true. But my only concern is the humidity, because if it gets dry, you need to be very careful with that, because, like, getting nosebleeds and all other complications is also... Okay. And finally, what do we think about the yeah. program athletes and how they did? I'm going to speak to John later today i'm going to go and do a vodcast with him which i'd just like to mention again it's not a podcast with vodka although it might make it easier on my part i still haven't been to the hairdressers so i'm a little bit nervous but what questions do you think i should ask him and have you got any thoughts on the program athletes and on their performances well first of all i would like to say i was very impressed with moritz's showing this year i was very lucky to meet him really the day working with the program and just yeah, because basically he came to this camp and he was like, you know, John, can I come to a camp? I qualify for semifinals. I would like some more assistance. And basically when I've attended this camp working for John and I, I was like the camp chef and I will always have this memory of him, like everybody's tired and I'm cooking in the kitchen for everyone. And he comes in and he's like, Such can I help you with anything? And that moment, there was so much food to cook. I was like, yes, please cut this chicken. I gave him like four kilos of chicken to cut. He looked like he was measuring every piece to make sure they were all the same. So that's my best memory of Moritz. And, but also just how he yeah. improved this year and a half is insane. And if he keeps it up, he's definitely going to be someone to watch out for in the coming years. I think the programming with a lot of pulling wasn't the best for him. But if he gets on to that, how he did with his conditioning with John, We'll be looking at a machine next year. And Ella, oh my God, amazing. Ella, I love you so much. I'm so proud of how far you've come. I think she just needs to work on being hungrier and more aggressive because she's got everything it takes. We've yeah. seen her train. It wasn't an issue of not having the fitness or the strength. It was just an issue of wanting to bite all the other girls' heads off, which is not a very Ella thing to do, but she needs to be she's gonna get more there. salty. And less sweet. Yeah. And uh, lastly, sorry, I'm just going to jump in. I am very excited for Jacqueline's comeback. Talking to her, you can just hear and feel the fire back in it. And she's yeah. going to be watch really hungry people. Out. Watch this out. This girl does not like being on the sidelines. She lets just make no. her stomach go boing as well, because I think you're right. She's going to be something else to watch this year coming. And anything I should bring up with our John? What do you think I should ask him about his opinions? I should definitely ask him about the programming. Yes, definitely. Off-season plans, if he's planning to do anything differently from last year, if he's looking forward to any big competitions happening, 
and maybe what he thought about Europe's showing and where it's going to go in the future years and if there's any juicy behind the scenes from uh, games because I hear a lot of stuff. Yeah, I, I also have one thing I'm going to bring up with him, which I think can make his eyes roll into the back of his head, which is how did they measure the 5K run? Because <laughs> apparently it was only four and a half. And that makes me think of Lane 8 8 again. Dun, dun, dun. At least everybody ran the same course. Weird things. Weird things. Maybe your pacing could have been a bit mm. different if you didn't consider this for 500 meters. I really don't know how GPS watches track the distance because if there's hills, maybe the sloping made that 500 meter difference. And if it's just the GPS, it won't keep that in account. But that's kind of my only possible theory to excuse that really? difference. Maybe they forgot to put in like a maybe. curve. There was a curve missing. It's just that. like it couldn't be the CrossFit Games or only CrossFit without something. Some little cock-ups. <laughs> anyway, thanks so much, Ramsey, for coming along with me for, on the FOMO show. I'm really happy that we got to spend this time together. I got to know you really well. Thank you so much for your insights and your experience because it really helped to understand and enjoy the games more from my point of view. Thank you for having me. It's been a great experience. I, I love talking about CrossFit and being able to share it with people. Well, let's, maybe we can do more. We can have more chats. I'd love that. Excellent. Would love to. I would love Until that next too. time. Okay, bye-bye, guys. Thank you, Rumsey. We did get a bit salty there. So if you have any comments on this episode, let us know via the programme Instagram or our own. They're all in the show notes. Until next time, thanks for listening and bye-bye. Don't miss the next episode. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Europe is Coming is a programme production and hosted by Vicky McLeod. <laughs>